Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Emotional Management, a weekly checkup from the neck up with Dr. Christian Conti, brought to you by Summit Psychology Services on KDKA Radio. Hey, welcome to Emotional Management. Happy Monday. What a beautiful day to be alive. The more we can stress gratitude in our lives, the more peace we feel. I'm looking forward to tonight's show. I'm excited to share some some really great stuff with you. I have a wonderful guest coming up. Super excited about that. Um, if you want to be a part of the show, the number is 866-391-1020. And then, of course, you can always email on the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com or you could text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line that's the best deal in pittsburgh so i live a uh, very busy life i am devoted intensely to my work and the the message and and what i want to do with my career so i'm i'm a busy man i'm all over the place and i work very hard one of the things I thought we could talk about is the uh, the emotions that go behind work ethic, because I think a lot of times people believe that those who are doing a lot somehow have it easier. And I think the reality is that when you want something, there are emotions attached to that. So you have the physical day in, day out grind going after whatever it is that you want, but you also have the mental uh, stress. You have the mental obstacles at times where maybe you're tired and you don't really feel like uh, doing what you're so you know you need to do. Maybe there are times when you feel overwhelmed. Emotions can certainly play a role in stopping people from getting what they want. And one of the great challenges is how to navigate those emotions to be able to get what you want. I had an opportunity to speak in several different places uh, these past uh, few weeks. I was off last week, um, but I was, you know, it's it's a blessing to be able to go to these different places and connect with people from so many different walks of life. But I last week I spoke in a prison in uh, the eastern part of Pennsylvania, and the interactions that I had with some of the inmates were powerful. Some of the guys were talking about regret and it was interesting because it wasn't just the inmates who were talking to me about regret. I also had a chance to speak in some other, some uh, with organizations. And I also had some people come up to me and, and that theme seemed to come up regret. So I thought, man, I want to address this on my show this week. So we're going to talk about that because look, we all, have regrets. There are all, there are always things that we do and we say, I would have liked to have done this differently, or I would have, you know, I wish that things didn't turn out the way they did, or I'm sorry that I made the choices that I made. And to be human is to mess up. You're going to make mistakes, but here's a truth. And I think this truth can be very empowering to understand. There is 
always, there are always more than one ways, there's always more than one way to see something. So for instance, when you're looking back on your life and you're thinking, man, I really regret this, I regret this, you can really get stuck in that regret and it can stop your present. In fact, it can really inhibit your peace in the present moment. So now that the situation is over, because we cannot change the past, we can't get a second of it back. Now, our only task is really looking at whatever happened in different ways. And there are always different ways to look at a situation. So I was talking to a, a man who was who was telling me about regrets from his uh, younger days and th- the times he would have liked to have spent with his family. He didn't spend that kind of time with his family. And I, I feel that. I mean, obviously, that's that, that could be. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to listen to someone say, "I wish I would have spent this time with loved ones." I don't think anybody ever regrets spending time with loved ones. I think that's a that's a powerful truth. But if you are in a situation where you regret some of the things in the past, one different perspective to take on that is think about. What if you learned that lesson and then shared that wisdom with others so that you could help other people not make those same mistakes? When you're able to take the mistakes that you've made in life and turn them into lessons and then share those lessons, you have an opportunity, I think, in let's say in a sense of karma, to really make up for whatever happened in the past. Look, I believe that we all do the very best that we can with what we have in any given moment. And that's true of you as well. Sure, you did things in the past that you, you're you not proud of. You did things in the past that you wished you would have done differently. So have I, we all have. I think that we really do the best we can with what we have in any given moment. And now that the situation's over, now there is what we are left with is really defining for ourselves why our life went in the direction that it went. But here is another very powerful truth. The more you dwell in regret, the more you take away from your present moment and your present experience. So I've seen people miss out on time with family in the present because they were so wrapped up in regretting mistakes of not being there for family in the past. So you can see how from the outside that hanging on to regret too much can really inhibit what you do from this moment forward. So when Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, he had, the legend is he worked really hard for a long period of time and he handed it to uh, a young boy to take it to the other room. And so the young boy took two steps and bam, he dropped the light bulb and it shattered everywhere. So then they worked really hard for 24 straight hours to get this light bulb fixed. And when they got it fixed, the moment it was fixed, Thomas Edison, he looked at the young boy and he handed him that light bulb again. And he knew that in that moment that he was giving that boy a chance, but it was something so much bigger than just doing an errand. It was showing him that, look, we all make mistakes, but we can learn from those mistakes. I've heard stories of people who have cost their organization millions of dollars and think they're walking into getting fired. And the next thing you know, the boss says, fire you. I just spent millions of dollars on teaching you a lesson. Now I need to have your experience be in the foreground. 
in life, we are always going to have moments where, yes, we would have liked to have done things differently. But my hope for you is that you stay focused on what you can learn and then in turn, what you can share with others. Now, that's another piece that I would love to get into tonight, which is how do we teach? How do we teach and actually let go for so many people when they teach? It's a challenge because they want students to learn exactly the way they want them to learn rather than teach. And the other thing that happens is all too often for parents, teachers, and certainly in the field of counseling, the main job of a teacher, a parent, a counselor is to help people become independent and no longer really need you. It doesn't mean that they don't want to be around you. It just means you want to make sure that they don't need you, that you help them become independent. And that's a challenge for a lot of people because there's a fear that when I make you independent, you will no longer need me. Hence, you will no longer want me. But there, I think there's a big difference between that. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, but coming up, I'm really, really excited because Dr. Larry Burchette is going to join me. He's an ER doctor. He's a gentleman. He's the author of The Gentleman's Diet, and I'm really looking forward to speaking with him. This is Emotional Management. If you want to be a part of the show, 866-391-1020 and Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkaradio.com, and text us at 866-391-1020. But I'm really excited to talk with Dr. Larry Burchette coming up. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. It's the show where we are going to help you manage your emotions. And helping me right now is my guest I'm super excited about, Dr. Larry Burchette. He is a gentleman. He is an ER doctor, and he's a gentleman. He's the author of (laughs) The Gentleman's Diet. Listen, the word gentleman, that's different in today's world. So tell me about that. Uh, emotional management that sounds terrifying um, <laughs> yeah today's gentleman let's talk about that I, I think it means a couple things I'm excited about this idea you know classically the gentleman is thought to be you know kind of chivalrous holding doors pulling chairs out for the ladies looking good in a suit but I think today there's a new kind of gentleman a new breed that's needed uh, this is right up your alley Christian I love it deeper you know, with some depth. I'm gonna, so here's, here's four things I think that this new gentleman needs. Number one is what I call emotional wisdom. I love be that. Know when to be vulnerable, have some depth, doing the work, you know. Women today, I think they're evolving at an incredible pace. I think it's great. I'm happy for them. They need partners. I feel like they're way ahead of us. Well, I, I, would, I, I would agree with that. That's for sure. Women are ahead of us. I mean, we. I laugh. My wife is uh, younger than me, and we we always say that she's. I'm that much less mature still, even though she's much younger. Yeah, no kidding. The the, I think they, you know, these kind of these these ladies want partners, true partners, and I think part of that is a man that's emotional enough to connect with them on those level, and that takes work. I think it's easier for a woman to naturally get there than us. Well, I, I think you're, you're, you're right. I mean, right off the bat, I, I agree because I believe that as men, we're often not taught when we're young to embrace our emotions. We're often taught to, hey, suck it up, stop crying, um, and that somehow emotions got connected with weakness. So, yeah, we're not really mm-hmm. taught to embrace mm-hmm. our, our, our emotions. 
I'd like to hear a lot. I am really interested because this is right up your wheelhouse. I mean, this is like, especially in the prisons and anger and all that stuff that, that you deal with. You see the direct connections between how we raise boys and then stuff that you see in the prisons. Oh, I, so much. So, so for instance, let's say I was, so I was speaking in a prison, uh, the other day and there, a group of guys, they, when they're in a group and it's really interesting to watch this dynamic, but when they're all sitting there in a group, the mm-hmm. idea of, of showing that you're actually engaged and interested now they'll, they'll be dialed in. But as far as like, uh, letting their guard down to even laugh at stuff that's funny, you know, I make a joke about that and it takes a little bit for them to warm up to even start to laugh mm-hmm. because no, I have to act really stoic. I have to act really tough, but I've come, I commented that the other day I said you know it's interesting a, a room full of guys and all of a sudden we have to be like no I don't think anything's funny like I mean not me I'm not funny and uh, but then they started laughing but with that but it took a while but yes I do believe that because there's a difference between assertiveness and aggression and I think that mm-hmm. since if we don't mm-hmm. teach guys how to be assertive they end up just being aggressive so in that setting instead of kind of having the tough guy uh, mask on what would you want people to men to do instead? Well, I think what I try to teach people to do is what men to do is to learn to be able to just say, call whatever's going on with you. So if you're hurt, you don't have to break down and, and, and sob and weep just to acknowledge that you're hurt. So for instance, a lot of times in a relationship, if someone does something and it's hurtful, instead of a, 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 a lot of the men I've worked with through the years, instead of just saying, you know what, that really hurt me. Or when you went and talked to that person, that really hurt me. Instead, it'll be like, no, I'm not hurt. Now I just want to be controlling and cover that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'd say express it, express it, express what's going on inside of you. That gets, man, that just gets, that just gets to my vulnerability thing that I was going to ask you about, which is, you know, when is it appropriate? I'm thinking of examples where it's like, no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that I, for fear of, you know, just what you're talking about. Well, um, I could give you an example of that. The other day I was saying this, I said, you know what? We talk about anxiety and I struggle with anxiety. I experience anxiety. It's a physiological chemical process. I mean, I, I feel like I didn't even do your, your intro enough justice. I mean, you're an ER doctor. You're literally saving people's lives every day of your life. Like, you know, the brain, you know, the body, but it's a a physiological process to experience anxiety. There's nothing wrong or bad or weak about it. It's just some chemicals are moving around a certain way and so we we perceive ourselves to be and it really like neurologically fear and anxiety look exactly the same right so if we there's no difference so uh, yes i can just say so okay so i was telling some guys i said so i struggle with anxiety and the guy said i can't he said i, I could never say that he came up to me afterward and he said but i, I really do he said I, I can tell you but i could never tell a group of people that and I said, in any way, shape, or form, did you perceive me as weaker when I said that? He said, no, I actually thought that was pretty strong for you to say that. And I yeah, said, so, so there's a there's a way that you did that where you, I don't I don't you you owned it, and I was like, oh wow, good for him. He just <laughs> said that. But so this guy, if this you know psychologist, counselor, big muscle man, if he admits that, maybe I can say I've got some anxiety from time to time. Yeah. And it's not, I think we go from one extreme to the other. So I think a lot of times people believe, well, if I say I have this, this, everyone's going to think I'm weak now and now I'm completely weak. Well, honestly, here's, here's, this is what's my secret is 
I have more than 20,000 hours of clinical counseling experience. I have worked with some of the toughest people in the world. I have seen behind the scenes one-on-one that everyone experiences that vulnerability. Everyone. So now I'm kind Mm -hmm. of armed with that knowledge. When I go to speak with someone, if they pretend Mm -hmm. that they don't, I know that that's all the more of a mask of what they're hiding. Yeah, it makes sense. I guess the thing that I guess the thing that I I struggle with, like there are some moments where I'm like, this is appropriate, this is right. Like I was telling you about, I hadn't seen one of my good buddies for a while, and I I hadn't said stuff like this to him. And I went up to him and I was like, hey man, I missed you. And he goes, oh, I missed you too. And, and there was that little moment of dude, bro, you know, vulnerability that was really cool. There was a joy that came of that, and I was like, oh, that's. That's good. That's right. That's perfect. But then there, there are also other times where I think I've let the guard down in an inappropriate way. You know, like maybe when I'm the doctor and I have a, some kind of authority, either with the nurses and everybody that's there, or a patient, or um, or I was given the example of you know being too vulnerable too early in a relationship. You know, mm. and so I'm, it's like how to balance that and to know like okay, it's it's appropriate and good here, but maybe that's not quite right there. And I can't figure out why. So I love that. And I actually really love that you even uh, share that right now. Cause I think that's, that's it right there. That's empowering for people to hear someone who is as, as accomplished as you to be able to say, maybe I, maybe I was in that place that wasn't appropriate there. And here, here's the, here's the balance that I would see it as, as a, as a professional, like, I might share, I might allude to me going through something, but I'm not going to go into the details and put myself in a spot where I need you to help me. So if, if I'm the mm-hmm. one who's the professional, I'm not going to say, uh, you know, let's say I'm working with uh, an inmate. I'm not going to say, I might allude to, yes, definitely. I'm, I, I struggle with anxiety as much as anyone else, but I'm not going to say, oh my goodness, my mind was racing today. And, and how, what do you think I should do about this? Because then that changes the yeah. dynamic of where we are. Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's inappropriate. Let me, let me give you an example. So like, let's say I go in and I talk to a patient and I'm, and I'm, and I don't know what's going on with them, you know? So, and they're like, well, doc, what do you think? I don't want to be so vulnerable and be like, you know what? I got no clue. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that would not be the right kind of vulnerability to admit that I don't know what's going on, even if it may be true and it may open me up a little bit. Like that's actually counterproductive. What I would say is, you know, given your, you know, history and your risk factors, what you're telling me and what I see, here's the tops of my list. And I want to do these tests and then we'll see what these tests show. And we'll know more when we have that information. And that's my plan. And that's what I want to do. I love this. You know, and it's listen, too early we, for me to say, I love this. You know what I mean? We're going to keep going. We're coming. You're sticking with us. This, this is emotional management on KDK radio. Welcome back to emotional management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is your weekly checkup from the neck up tonight. My guest <laughs> is Dr. Larry like Burchette. It. It's a pretty cool uh, tagline they have here at KDKA Radio. But my guest is Dr. Larry Burchette. You can learn about him at drlarry.com. He is awesome. He is the author of A Gentleman's Diet. And we are we're talking about that concept of vulnerability in relationships. You're too kind. You're too kind. Yeah, vulnerability. Where were we? So, you, oh, I was talking about it. I was talking about it, like being the doctor. You know, you can't go in there and be like, 
Like, if you came in with chest pain and you're like, Doc, what do you think? And I'm like, well, it's probably not a heart attack, but I'm not sure. You know, like, like no, you're going to be okay. We're going to do some tests. I need to check X, Y, and Z. This is what I'm worried about and what we're going to look at. And da, 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 da. You know what I mean? Like, chances are you'll be fine. Right? Like, that's awesome. That's like a commercial. That's like a, com- be like a commercial. You're like, I have no idea. Uh, but hey, I'm one of the doctors in town. <laughs> like vulnerability gone too far. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, I think, but in a professional setting though, also, you know, people come in and part of it is that idea of saying, I need to know someone's going to know something. I mean, when you go to see a doctor, you want to say, well, at least you, you're going to tell me something. I mean, it's funny because in my profession, if someone comes in and challenges me, I'll say, I don't know. You're right. I don't know, but I'm not opening them up. Like, so I can say, you know, what? I'm really not sure what it's going to look like. Now, when I say that, I have the confidence to know that I'm going to fall back on a theoretical approach like yeah. at some point yeah your thoughts are going to be causing your you know impacting your feelings at some point what you're doing is going to impact what you're so it's I'm, i feel comfortable in saying i don't know how it's going to roll out but understanding those dynamics is certainly helpful but I, I do think it's different but you're right though i mean there is that balance and 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 you you mentioned it too within dating too and a lot of times people get together and they say you know what i'm going to open up really fast because i want to get this to the heart of the relationship and the reality yeah, is it like, can't work. Yeah, I just it's like I feel like Brene Brown. I love Brene Brown. I read her stuff and it's like vulnerability, everybody be more vulnerable. And then I'm like the times that I've been too vulnerable too fast and opened up like that, like that has backfired. Like that does not work. So that's why I like this little phrase that I made up. I just made this up. Give it Emotional to me. Emotional wisdom. Like practical knowledge about emotions like vulnerability when it's appropriate to be vulnerable i'm pretty well, proud of myself with i that love concept. it i love it emotional wisdom i love it it fits in on our show yeah. right here at emotional management so it's interesting because so in a relationship if you try to rush the price relationships go through stages and it, you can you know the opening stage where you're you have that persona up that those masks up uh, people have tried to, you know, I've, for, I've done doing this for 20 years. So I've heard people come into therapy and say, well, I'm, I'm tired of having that stage. I want to just get right to it. And the problem yeah. is you can't force that because as a, as human beings, it's our nature to have those masks up, whatever they are. And if you rush that, yeah. you rush the stage. So it's almost like your car, a train car goes off the track when you go too deep, too fast. When you rush it, you screw it up. Yeah. So emotional wisdom, that's one of your stages. Yeah, this is one of the part. you know, for all the single guys out there like me, let's get back to those stages and how <laughs> we navigate through that stuff. The, let me say a couple other things about, let me say a couple other things about this gentleman idea. So number one was emotional wisdom, getting deep in that stuff. Number two, I think today's gentleman has a sense of mission and purpose about your life, mm. what you're doing here. You know, like we are all going to die. We're all, you and I are going to be dead one day, hopefully in like 50 years or maybe 70 years if there's some incredible breakthroughs, but <laughs> that's precious. You know, like live a great life, get out there, enjoy your life and have something that you're, that you're fighting for, that you're passionate about. Um, the next one, number three, I think a gentleman takes care of themselves, not just grooming and appearance, but your body, weight, you know, staying strong, exercise, diet, nutrition, the fuel you put in, your mind. 
you know, yeah. mental ma- yeah. maintenance mentally. The fourth thing that I would say is I, I think, you know, today's man is about win-win, about interdependence, no longer being the island independent, not, not wanting to be the alpha just to pound everybody and be on top, but that there really is enough out there for everybody. I think this is what today's, these are, these are some, some things that I would say are kind of in today's leading man. I, I love that. I, that's that's so sound, and it is holistic. It's You're looking at people. People are body, mind, and spirit beings, and you're looking at all of those aspects. The sense of purpose. like So existentialists, uh, philosophers, would talk about uh, that we're finite. We, you know, and, and when I would say so I was a professor for a while, and when people would first start to, students start to study existentialism, they'd say, well, isn't this depressing? We're talking about death. And to the contrary, to understand that you have the limits that actually increases your ability to say, okay, my time is limited. So I'm going to do everything I can in this time. Oh, it's so motivating. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an edge, right? It's that balance. It's like, you can be terrified. We're going to die. And I, you experience anxiety. I just hit 40 and I'm like, this might be half over. I mean, it might be over this year. You never know. (laughs) Right. I started to have some anxiety where before we were like billionaires with time and I just never thought about it. But now it's like, wow. And so there's a, there's like this shift within me where it's like, okay, what do I want to do? Who do I want to do it with? Who do I not want to deal with at all? Like what stuff am I sick of and I'm just not going to put up with anymore? Well, that became clear too. But I think it's grounded in, you know, we are, our time is, is finite. You just taught me a phrase I've never heard before. Um, we're like billionaires with time, thinking that we just have as much time as I love that. That's wonderful. Well, we used to. When you're born, you are. Then you get more poor with age. That's how. It, that's just everybody. The sands of time go. Time. It's a. It's a. I think it's a. It's a natural shift that everybody experiences, along with you know we're no longer invincible. We can't do the things that we did at 16. I can't. Maybe you can. I mean, I'm stronger than no, I was at 16. I, I was about half the size, though. So I always say what my I'm wife now, but my wife lost out on this deal because, uh, you know, when we met, I had hair, you know, abs. Um, I'm 250 pounds now, bald. She 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 looks even better now. So it's it's kind of like unfair, I think, to her. Yeah, but, but, but <laughs> you think about what you know and like your maturity, all that stuff blows it out of the water, everything else out of the water. But, you know, you're, you're, I would imagine you're in such a better place. Than yeah, when you I definitely, were definitely. And I just mean, well, finishing puberty, right? It def- definitely such a, and I wouldn't take it change anything for anything. But I love so, and I also like that idea of takes care of themselves at number three for you because I've seen people through the years like couples and they don't really put a lot of effort into themselves, and then they wonder why their loved ones aren't as drawn to them as they used to be. I remember, I specifically remember a case one time where I had a woman said, my husband's not interested in me at all. And then when I brought him in, he said, you know, she uh, literally has, um, she's twice the size of when we met. And she said, and he said, it's not even that, it's that she literally plays a game called Candy Crush all day long. And her justification was, I only play it for about three or four hours in the morning, a few hours in the afternoon, and then about three or four hours in the evening. So I was like, do you realize if you add those hours up, that's like a long, long day. But Brain so, has just been 
been melted. Right. So when you talk uh, about take care of themselves, like you want to put effort in, like for instance, I put effort in, I watch my wife, she puts effort in every day um, because we care about being the best we can be for each other. Yeah. You know, I think a lot about the language to get that concept across to men. Men don't like spas. Women love spas. You know, like mm. when men don't. I think some of the best language is like a car maintenance. Mm. What kind of routine maintenance do you do? Do you change the oil? What happens to a car if you don't change the oil for too long? Engine gets ruined. Oh, what kind of fuel are you putting in? You know, like are you putting in the are you putting diesel into a Ferrari? Or even the analogy, like what kind of car are you? How do you treat yourself? Do you treat yourself like you know you're a BMW, or are you just do you treat yourself kind of like you're this? junky old Ford, 19, you know, 83 Ford F-150 beater, you know? I feel like we have more to talk about. I want to know if I can get you for one more segment after this. I'm, hey, buddy, I'll stay here as long as you want. All right, we're, we're going to get, I'm going to get you for one more segment. So listen, if you want to learn more about Dr. Larry, go to drlarry.com. You can also find him on Instagram. And here, here's, here's what it is. It's at... Dr. D-R-L-A-R-R-Y Burchette, B-U-R-C-H-E-T-T on Instagram. You can also find him on YouTube. We're going to talk about that coming up as well. Super excited to have Dr. Larry Burchette on the show tonight. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. You're listening to Emotional Management with Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. Super excited tonight. I have Dr. Larry Burchette yeah, on. I mean, really, <laughs> this is great. Like he, Dr. Larry is an ER doctor. He is a gentleman. You can find him on Dr. Larry Burchette on YouTube. B-U-R-C-H-E-T-T. But let's get back to talk. So you have a book called The Gentleman's Diet. Tell I us do. about that. The gentleman's diet. Well, I, you know, I wanted to call it the bachelor's diet because I went on the bachelorette years ago and they wouldn't let me use that word. Bachelor. <laughs> it was like trademark. How was that going but on I the bachelor, on the bachelor? What was it? The bachelorette? Oh, it was a disaster. I was one of the guys, one of the 25 guys. And, uh, it was a lot of fun though. It was a lot of fun. Um, might have drank a little too much tequila. The girl did not exact was not exactly thrilled with me, but I had a great time with the guys, and and it was um, it was a really cool experience to kind of see, you know. Hey, life teaches life teaches us uh, so much. I just thought, I opened up the show uh, at the beginning of the hour talking about how we can change regret into just learning lessons from it. So, but there, there, let's just say there were some lessons then. So so I went on the show <laughs> and I was like. I was like, oh, I'm in great shape. I'm this little punk, you know? And, and then it was all these like six, two, six, four models that were shredded. And I was like, oh, wow. I was intimidated. And I was like, what do you eat? What are you, what are you doing for workouts? And 10 of them gave me their plans. And I was like, wow, this is really good. Like these are disciplined guys. I'm going to write a book about this. So I put it all in this book and I, you know, did some good medical research and I did some kind of motivational stuff with NLP and, it's actually a great book. I'm proud of it. That's awesome. That's, that's the gentleman's diet, baby. That's awesome. And you know, diet's so important. And talking about emotions, diet impacts emotions. I mean, t- tell us about that. Diet impacts emotions. You know, I think one of the most interesting things, and I'm going to hack, I'm going to screw this up, but they've, they've definitely studied 
children in schools, and they've compared just kind of the normal processed food diets to putting in vegetables, fruits and vegetables, and better food. And, you know, their behavior improves, their learning improves. Like, it clearly affects their ability to perform at school. And it's no different than us. I mean, you just have to kind of reflect on your own experience of alcohol is an obvious example, but even just, like, overdoing it with carbs, going to McDonald's or Taco Bell, it's, like, glorious for 30 minutes, and then you want to die for three (laughs) hours, you know? Like, you just feel... You know, there's there's a dopamine addiction process. It's not like it's not like heroin, but there is a little bit of an addiction process in the in the short term. But then, you know, afterwards, when your body is you know saturated with um, foods and substances that uh, aren't the healthiest, you feel it. You know, we feel it. Well, it's it's imp- you, it impacts you. I mean, there's no there's no no doubt about it. I love I just, you're right. Just you feel it. And look, it's not easy for people. So for me, when I was young, I was a skinny, really skinny, and I wanted to be bigger. Like I I boxed, mm-hmm. I kickboxed. I wanted to be. I, I idolized the heavyweights. I wanted to be a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. So I ate and ate and ate. And what happened was when I was done playing sports, I still kept eating like I was playing. <laughs> I totally. I until recently. I will eat and think that was the program. Yes. Like I was just like, wow, like let's, let me just eat as much as possible. That that was your program that got, you know, uploaded into your brain as a teenager when you wanted to be, you know, a fighter or whatever. And then when the fighting ended and the activity ended that program, you never updated that program. And so it kept running. Same thing. It's the same story for so many of us. You know, we, well, you know, I played high school football, and it was like eat everything you can because you want to gain every extra pound, you know, so that you can hit harder. Right. And I ate like that for 10 years after college, you know, and, and then I packed on this weight. And when I hit my 30s, my metabolism changed. I got a gut, and my daughter was like, Daddy's fat. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> that is not fat. And that's right when I wrote the book, too. Like, that was a big... <laughs> That was a big inspiration for me. Like that is not part of my identity. I will change. Something needs to change. Well, you look great. You're such a sharp looking guy. So drlarry.com, you'll be able to see him. Um, but you're definitely in shape. And I think I think leading by example is huge. I, I say this to people all the time. If I didn't practice meditation, if I didn't practice, uh, you know, if you if I wasn't practicing what I teach, you could see it. You could spot it in a second. So when you want to look at somebody who's follow a diet, you certainly want to look to someone like you who's built what really well and say it's obviously working. What you're doing is is working. I, I appreciate you saying that. You know, it, 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 this is a, this is another big motivation. This is like a mission thing for me. But when I wrote that book, I was like. I want to walk the talk, you know, like I want to be a doctor who's actually, you know, living what I'm prescribing. I don't want to be a fat doctor that's telling people to lose weight. I think there's a credibility issue to that. And it's taken a lot of time. It's taken years for me to figure out how can I do it? What do I like? How does it work with my life? When do I do food prep? All these little things. Good. It's It's, worthwhile. It's, 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 I would, it's excellent. To live that message is excellent. That's what people see and they buy into it. I, I laugh because um, people, I remember one time I had a, a guy was in one of my groups for, I, I co-founded a center for people convicted of violent crimes and in South Lake Tahoe, California. And this, one of my mm-hmm. guys in my group, 
he was like trying to cut my cut me off and almost swerving into me and i just slowed down and waved and smiled wow. to him and he pulled in front of me and he, he pulled in the parking lot he jumped out of the car and he was like man doc's legit he was like i was trying to make him so mad on the road he just slowed down and let me go exactly. i said well that you know i mean i, I live my message i'm not going to tell you one thing and then not be in control myself so um yeah you modeled that behavior that would be a little bit hypocritical for the anger management guy to <laughs> go off on people on a regular basis. <laughs> it's so true, but I mean, I definitely lived that message, and, it, and not knowing how to do. And obviously, like I've said, I said this the other day to guys. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't experience anger. It's just that I know how to handle it. So there's there's just a big yeah. difference with that. So how, how can do people? You, how do you how do you handle it? Well, Are you, done? Are you wrapping up? No, I'm well, curious. no, well, no. Uh, one of the main things that I've learned to do is not be attached not i'm not attached to my thoughts my beliefs like i'm not mm -hmm. i'm not an attached person like i believe mm -hmm. with conviction like i love mark twain saying speak with conviction but be open to being wrong um mm -hmm. so i'm gonna say with conviction mm -hmm. i definitely want to have you back on this show i'm so like i definitely want to have you back on this show I, well the way we're gonna wrap it up is tell people how they can find out and learn more about what you're doing and what you know what you, let them let's get your message out there yeah, you, you know, the main thing is every week I write a little blog and I do a video that's just kind of exploring this idea of what it means to be a gentleman and to take care of yourself and to, to, to try to be the, you know, the man. I think a lot of it's mainly geared for men, women, kind of check it out too, but to be the man you really want to be, to be your best. That's kind of the, just the key thing of it. And I try to, I want it to be holistic and I don't want there to be any, you know, BS. Can I... I can't say. No, but you know what? In the last show. 10 seconds, I'm going to say this. I'm going to put your stuff up again on uh, on the website to let people know about Go to you. the website. Go to the website and sign up for the email. I love That's it. What I would say. This is Thanks Dr. Christian Conti. Thank you so much, buddy, on KDK Radio. This is Emotional Management, a weekly checkup from the neck up with Dr. Christian Conti, brought to you by Summit Psychology Services on KDKA Radio. So this is emotional management. I love it. This music gets me heated. It gets me excited. This is awesome. What great energy. What a blessing to be able to be here with you. Thank you so much for being here with me. I really, really enjoyed the conversation I had with Dr. Larry Burchette. If you want to learn more about him, you go to drlarry.com. Um, what a great, uh, what a great guy, ER doctor, and he is the author of The Gentleman's Diet, so definitely check that out. This is, we're, we're going to get into questions, because there are questions I have from emails and texts, um, but I also want to talk to you. So if you, if you, if you have questions and you want to call in, week after week I hear people say, man, I really want to call in, but I, I, I just get so nervous. So let me put your mind at ease. No one can see you on the radio. People are not recognizing your voice. Um, the number is 866-391-1020. 866-391-1020. And then, of course, you can email on the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkradio.com. We've got some emails we're going to get to. And you can also text at 866-391-1020. So, uh, look, this whole concept of what I started the, the very beginning of the of the show, the top of the very first hour, I said, um, 
talking about work ethic and talking about putting your effort into what you're doing, no matter what you do, you want to be the best at what you're doing. You can't get the past back. The future is hypothetical. All you have is the present moment. Now, the German composer, the Italian composer, composer Arturo Toscanini, on his 80th birthday, someone asked his son, what is your dad's greatest accomplishment? And he said, whether he was, he said, I can't give you an answer because whether he was conducting a, a symphony or peeling an orange, he put his best effort into everything he did. I really love that. I love that emphasis on the present moment and putting your best effort in. And with work ethic comes emotional challenges. There are going to be times when you're working really hard and it's going to feel like you're not getting anywhere. Let me give you an example. I'm an author and I write, I write every day of the year. I don't take days off from writing. If you want to get good at your craft, you have to master your craft. You have to, you have to work at it. You have to put the time in. I heard a saying once that there's no, no such thing as good writing. There's only good rewriting. So you write, you write, you write. I learned that from my dad, who's an author. Um, his website, by the way, is this is not your practice life.com. He writes a blog. It's awesome. But so when it comes to work ethic and, and putting that time into write, there are definitely going to be days where I will spend hours upon hours and I will only come up with maybe one usable paragraph. And that's okay. That's a part of the process. For a long time, I would get really upset with that and think, you know what? I today was uh, almost, I would almost look at the day as a failure. And one day um, I was struggling to come up with something. And when I came home and I shared with my wife that I had such a difficult day, she said, you know what? She said, that's kind of great news. And I said, why is that great news? She said, because you, you tend to have days where you get, you write a ton after the days where you don't write some. So I said, it kind of just shifted something in me. And I thought, you know what? That's you're right. Like, what if I just looked at, I needed to sit through this day emotionally and understand that I was going to put my best effort in. But if I didn't come up with ideas, if I wasn't able to write, I don't give up. I don't quit. I say, you know what? I'm just around the corner to getting something more. There was a man once and he, uh, he got, uh, he was, he was a frugal man. And so he ate his, he ate crackers. And I mean, he was slow and deliberate in the way he ate his crackers. He ate six of them. And then when he got to the seventh cracker, he cut it, he split it in half and he only ate half of it. And he got full and he looked and he said, man, it only took me one a half a cracker to get full. He's like, why did I waste my time on all those other crackers? And of course he was a foolish man in the story, but the concept of the, the story was uh, about that half a cracker is not enough. You never know which cracker is going to get you to the level that you want to be. And that's why you put all effort into everything you're doing. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Teresa, you are on KDKA radio. Teresa, can you hear me? Oh. Hello? So, Teresa, you're on. Okay. Yeah, I just have a question about something you said. You said that you're not attached to your feelings or your emotions about things. Yes, not attached to my ideas. Not attached to your ideas. Well, how does that, is that, isn't that destructive more than creative, more than helpful to you? It could be. You see what I just did there? I wasn't attached to my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
<laughs> I, I used to read these books. I used to read these books about how to get what you want with your mind, the power of your mind. Yeah. And one of the things it said was to visualize what you want, but don't be attached to it. And it, it will more likely come to you if you're not attached, emotionally attached. I, I, I personally agree with that a lot. I definitely agree with that. I think when we visualize, we want to make it super crystal clear and we say, you know what, mm -hmm. this is something I want, but I'm not attached mm -hmm. to how it's going to happen or whether or not maybe it's going to lead me to something else that's even better. And if I'm so focused on what I thought I wanted, I'm going to miss out on something that could be even greater. But, but I found out there was a downside to that. Give it to like, me. Well, once you get it, once you get this thing, and it, and it often worked. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, gobbledygook. It often worked. But when you got it, you didn't really, you didn't really care. You didn't really care. You know what I mean? Okay. Like there was some sort of a letdown. Like it's not, it really wasn't, I don't know. There was no emotional attachment to it. Well, I think, you know, there's a saying that whether you go up the ladder or down it, your position is shaky. But if you stand with both feet mm -hmm. planted firmly on the ground, you're going to be all right. I kind of paraphrase. Yeah. I forgot the last part of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, my, but I, what I like about that is that I try not to go too high with the highs and low with the lows. I mean, I remember there mm -hmm. were times in my life where I was so excited about the potential. Like, let's say, for instance, when I first started to do stuff in television, oh, my goodness, I'm going to do something in television. Right. And then it'd be like, no, it might not happen happen oh no now it might not happen and, then, right. and I got to right. a point where I thought you know what I feel really excited about every day I feel grateful for every day um, and I'm also mm -hmm. grateful for the things that I don't get because I believe now at 45 I truly believe those things are gonna lead me to the path where I'm supposed to be hmm okay okay so so the reward is not in getting Oh, that's beautiful. Having, that's beautiful. Having, it's not. You're right. That's. I, I don't think that's one of the most beautiful. That's exactly the way I say it. Eric Fromm, F-R-O-M-M, wrote a book called mm -hmm. To Have or To Be. And the principle was that in having you things, you think that like you're going to get happiness, but you never really are satisfied. But when you right. can be... It's because it's the being that makes you happy. Yes. That's it. That resonates with me. Right. It's like Aristotle said, character is destiny mm. your character is your destiny not your what you have oh i love that Teresa. i love that does yeah. that clarify does that clarify as far as what you was that i yeah it does it really does i love your phone call and i appreciate you so much that is such a great call thank you so much for calling in um this is and i love that quote too from aristotle yes i always think about it because i I just didn't realize, like, I tried to think about what does it mean that you have to do, isn't your destiny what you do? But it, obviously it's more of what you are. I really do believe, I, I really do believe yeah. that. I also love well, that you, well, you. I, I also love that you use the word gobbledygook. So <laughs> that was yeah, just awesome. That's a good word. <laughs> it's a great word. Thank you so <laughs> much, Teresa. I really appreciate you. Thanks for talking. Definitely. I love uh, such a, what a wonderful call, and, and it's so, so true. Uh, I think that is so true, what Teresa said. Um, this is emotional management. If you want to be a part of the show, 866-391-1020. I love talking with you. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. 
This is your weekly checkup from the neck up on KDKA Radio. If you want to be a part of the show, and I love, love talking to you, 866-391-1020. Had a beautiful call with Teresa. Thank you so much for calling, Teresa. Uh, If you want to be a part of the show, call 866-391-1020. You can email the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com, or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. So uh, Gary uh, uh, sent in this KDK radio instant access comment. It's a beautiful thought. He said, never, never let regrets take the place of dreams. Oh, I love that. Never let regrets Take the place of dreams. So let's let's put a visual in front of you. Let's imagine that there's an enormous uh, uh, chest, and in this chest you, is a lot of heavy weights. Let's say it's filled up with a lot of things, so it's very heavy. Now, let's imagine that this chest is filled with those heavy objects or regrets. Now, imagine you had to go through your day carrying that chest around with you. It would be very difficult. At some point, you would say, to heck with it. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm letting it down. I refuse to take it with me. And at that point, you would let it go. You would realize that if you saw it, that visual, and, and if you can see that with me right now, visualize that your regrets are heavy, heavy weights, and they're put inside of a chest, and that you have to carry that with you every day, drag it around. At some point, you're going to say, I don't want to do this anymore. It reminds me of a story. Um, I was counseling a woman one time who had, she was really struggling in terms of regret because she had, um, she really had, I can't remember what the health illness was, but after she had her baby, she was, she was really ill for about eight months. And so for about eight months of her baby's uh, life, she spent a lot of time in the hospital and she was really ill. This was not her fault. It was not her fault that she was ill. It was not her fault that she was in the hospital. Um, But she felt very guilty about not being there for her baby for those eight months. So She was having a difficult time because now he was probably, I think, maybe four or four or five by the time when I saw her uh, for counseling. And so she said, I just feel so bad because I never I just I wasn't there for those eight months. So I said to her, you know, it sounds like you're allowing those eight months, which weren't your fault at all, to impact your present moment with him, because now your mindset, your 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 you're struggling with such such a psychological depression. And when I say psychological depression, I I mean that in different uh, vernacular than physiological depression. Physiological depression is chemical. It means you could feel genuinely, your thoughts could be a very happy thoughts, but your body could feel chemically down. And that's different from your mind really pulling you down with things like guilt, shame. But so she had this, she had this weight of shame of, of regrets. So I said to her, how about this? What if you were to uh, go, well, here's what I want you to do. I said, this week, when you go home, what I want you to do is I want you to go in your kitchen. I want you to face a garbage can. And during that garbage, and I want you to, I purposely had her face a garbage can. And I said, I want you to imagine all those, whatever guilt thoughts you have, you go ahead and have them. Let's call them up to the surface. And I want you to set a buzzer and go ahead and take 15 minutes and just 
say how terrible you were for not being there for him for eight months. Just blame yourself, you know, take full responsibility. It was your fault that you were sick. It was your fault. You had this. And for 15 minutes, go ahead and just, just bring that to the surface. And then when that 15 minutes is over, let that set that down and go be present with your son now. So that way we can at least contain all of that to 15 minutes. So the next week she came back, I mean, there was almost a bounce in her step when she came in the next week. And I said, so did you try my exercise? And she said, yes, but I got to tell you, she said, I literally set the timer for the microwave for 15 minutes. I faced the garbage can in my kitchen. I started to blame myself. And then I thought, what the heck am I doing? I'm missing out on time with my son. She said something released in me. I turned around to play with him. I have never felt this good in years. She said, I, I, I let it go. I released it. And I was so grateful to be a part of something like that because guilt, shame, they are so heavy and Listen, the difference between guilt and shame, guilt is feeling bad about yourself. If, if you need to feel guilty to learn a lesson, wonderful, learn that lesson, act differently based on what you learned, and then move on. But shame is feeling bad about who you are. And my research, my career has taught me over and over again, time and again, that people who live in shame act out of shame. So for instance, for this woman, she was feeling shame about something she couldn't even control, being sick, uh, having time away from her infant. And so that shame was weighing down on her present moment. When you live in shame, you act out of shame. Well, I can't be there around for him right now because I wasn't there for him in the past. That was the, her mindset. That's what she was thinking. So once we really highlighted that and then we're able to release that shame, now she could move forward in the present moment without that feeling of regret that was unnecessary. I didn't want her to have that experience. So I was so grateful to be a part of that. It's one of the reasons why you hear such passion in my voice at 45 years old, 20 years doing this, over 20 years doing this, uh, more than 20,000 hours of clinical experience where I sit down one-on-one -on -one with people, families, young people, uh, uh, you know, just people of all walks of life in so many different areas. But I'm I'm passionate because I watched that kind of change happen and I believe it can happen for you. So maybe you're struggling and you're thinking, well, how do I get through this moment? Maybe you're having a really tough moment and you don't know how to get through it. Well, that's why I'm doing this show. I'm doing this show for you to be able to talk to you, to try to help you get through this moment because these moments can be so, so tough. So 866-391-1020 is the number. There was uh, an, in, in a very interesting um, question that I got that said, uh, do you separate anger from aggression? And I, that's, that's a very important question, and it's absolutely do we separate anger and aggression. And look, to be able to put those two things apart and realize that they are two vastly different things is really, really important. And I'm going to teach you coming up in this, in this show, I'm going to teach you the difference between them. But I want to go to the phone lines for a minute. We have uh, Gary in, uh, oh, we just lost, we just lost uh, him. Uh, but go ahead and call back because um, we saw we just, we might, I might have messed that up myself actually. Talk about vulnerability. I think I might have just hung up on him. So uh, what was anger and aggression, the difference, the vast difference between the two. So 
aggression is you can anger is an emotion it's natural it's a very natural emotion when you feel anger it can teach you a lesson it can teach you something about yourself it can be a motivator for you but aggression is acting on that anger in ways usually disproportionate to what the situation calls for when we are aggressive we are pursuing that anger in a way that's allowing it to control us. Now, there's a difference between aggression and assertiveness. Assertiveness is being able you have a you have a right to your you have a right to your space. You have a right to your space, and we're gonna get into that. I really do want to get into that coming up. If you want to be a part of the show, the number is 866-391-1020. The Dollar Bank Instant Access is kdkaradio.com, or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. We're talking all kinds of things that matter to you. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is your weekly checkup from the neck up. And we're talking about all things life, regret also. And we're going to go to the phone lines. Uh, Gary, you're on KDK Radio. Hey, thank you. Can you can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yes, I got you. I got you. Thank you so much for calling. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, as I sent the quote, and I do believe that uh, regret should never t- should not take the place of dreams. I love that quote. Thank you for sending that. That's excellent. Well, uh, thank you. I also believe, and this is just my own view, that I think, and, and by the way, I've listened to, you with, to your program with great interest. It's a great show. Thank you so much. And I also do believe, you're welcome, I also do believe that regrets have channeled right can be a positive. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely the, believe that. In a sense, and you, you know more, you know, you're better, obviously way better at this than I am, but uh, I do think, and I'll be 74 in September, I do think that I've learned that it's it's good to sometimes look back at some of the regrets, because I do think it increases your humility. At least it did for me. Mm-hmm. I, I love, follow- yeah, I love that. I, I, you're right. It does increase our humility, and we we could all use that. I think ego is a burden for us, and ego gets in the way a lot of times. And sometimes we really need that 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 step back of humility to say, "Hold on a second, I'm human. I've messed up." I think our culture. I've never seen a culture, frankly, like this one when it comes to ego. I'm sure in the past, oh, sure, generations, yes. But I'm not so sure. This is just my gut feeling. I think it's worse this time because I don't think, and maybe you could address this. I'm not sure about this. I I would be very interested in in your thinking about this. I think that, and I I realize you're you're 48? 45. 45. But I'm really interested in your opinion on this. I believe this culture 
Sure. Has America gone through all this before? You know what I'm saying, generally speaking. Yes. Yes. Across the board. I do think this culture, in my gut feeling, is worse because I'm not sure we have the ladylike, gentleman-like culture we had in the past to solve problems and to be a healthier country. Well, I tell you one of the things that I think you're you're on point about is I think ego it is different and, and here's what's different maybe we've I think we've always had ego I mean I remember uh, reading right. Soren Kierkegaard talked about in the 1830s that yeah, you know right. that, that, oh look at our generation now so I definitely think it's it's probably always been there to some extent but selfies these this new emphasis on um, how I look matters so much that there are how many filters on every social social media app and so you you really want to make yourself look in ways that aren't even you um and so and that's important to people right now so in closing uh i do think i mean from my own life i if i had to uh, and you talk, and it was interesting. You brought this other part about regrets. If you t- if you tried not so much to, when you talk to young people or someone younger, and you share that regret and try to more or less teach them, maybe teach is the wrong word. Share that view with them, then you have a positive. You, then you have two positive. You touch, you're teaching yourself humility, and you're also showing the other person that. At the same time, I, I so agree. It's win, so it's a win-win. It is. It is, and I agree with you. I, I, you're right because when you're teaching someone else, and even though I mean, look, we know that when we do with young people, we want to teach them something. We want them to hurry up and get it, or we don't want them to make the mistakes we've made. And even though that comes from a great place, we know we can't uh, assume experience for someone else. So people have to learn. We all have to learn on our own. But I do think that by, like you said, by being humble and saying, look, I made this mistake and I just want to share this with you. I want to let you know. It's it's wonderful to watch when you actually see it take place. Like, for instance, I've, mm-hmm. I've heard my daughter say in the past, well, no, you taught me this, so I'm not going to do that. And I was mm-hmm. talking to a buddy of mine the other day and he said... You know, I, I taught something, one of my boys came home from school and he said, you know what, dad, he said, one of these kids was, was mean to me, but I thought, just like you said, um, why, why should I care what they think? Because then, you know, they're, they're going to change their opinion. They're going to feel bad that they, they talked to me like this one day. And he said, you know, I couldn't have even have done this when I was his age, but I'm so glad that right. he actually took that and learned from it. Right. And in closing, I'd like to share this thought that I heard about 13, 14 years ago. And I, actually, I read it. It was on top of an obituary column. Is that yeah, uh, yeah. my pronouncing the word right? Yes, yes, obituary. And I'm sitting in a Starbucks, and I read this on top of it, and I'd just like to share it with you, if I may. Definitely, please do. And thank you. It said, um, yeah, geez, I lost my thought here. Uh, oh, faith, faith for today, hope for tomorrow, and love for all the days in between. Oh, I love it. That's positivity right there, Gary. Sure. We'll close it there. I love it. Thanks so much for your call. Okie dokie. Thank I appreciate you. you. Appreciate you. Thanks. 
I, it's it's really great to hear that. And I love what Gary said because I think he's right on the money that we can turn this into a positive. So let's say you have that regret. There are so many ways to flip it into a positive. One is you can learn from it and teach others. That's great. That's wonderful. That's a great positive. But I've also heard a different perspective I want to share with you as well. What if, what if you looked at the mistakes that you made and the pain that you feel from making these mistakes as though you are taking on karma for someone else? So maybe you have to experience this pain so that your children don't have to experience it. Maybe in some way, in some universal way, you're taking some of that pain from them. What, what, a, what a difference that would be. I remember a story of a, a hunchback and he... Um, he was, was, fell in love with this beautiful woman. And so he said, um, you know, he kept trying to, uh, to talk to her, but she wouldn't really talk back with him. And then finally he said, um, you know, she's like, how can I, I love someone like, you know, like you. And he said, you know, when I was in heaven before I was born, the angels said, you know, you, we're going to give you the love of your life. Um, and but the only problem is the love of your life is going to have a, a terrible hunch in her back. And he said, oh, no, please, please. He said, let her be beautiful. Let her be absolutely stunningly beautiful and give me the hunch. And and it was in that moment the two of them fell in love. And the story is he took on that karma physically for her. That's a beautiful way to phrase it. I'm not saying that these are the definitive answers. As I shared with Teresa, I'm not really attached to my perspective. I'm just offering this as a potential perspective. Look, the past is gone and we can't change it. But if we were to look at those regrets in a different light and say, wait a minute, maybe I took on this karma for someone else. Maybe I need to put these regrets in that chest and set that chest down. Maybe I can teach others. But here's the challenge with teaching others. When you teach someone and then demand, demand that they get the lesson you're teaching, you're missing out on the very same point that others probably taught you in life and you didn't always get that lesson either. So we come back to, I love Gary's point about humility, because if you're able to have humility, as you teach, you offer it and you say, you know, if this can help you, I would love for it to help you. And if it's not the right time, it's not the right time. And actually, actually, the more you're able to let go and not force your perspective on others, the more likely they are to be drawn to it. If you think about it in terms of uh, a magnet and one magnet, one end pushes the opposite ends uh, or the one, the similar ends push each other away. So you think about it, if we have a a retreat mindset, almost like don't tell me what to do. So if I tell you right now, do not think of a pink elephant. Do not think of a pink elephant with a big yellow bow on it. You're probably thinking of a pink elephant with a big yellow bow on it. When we're told not to do something, we don't want to do it. We want to get it out of our mind. You say, no, you can't make me think of that. I I think that was a terrible example. I think that made the opposite point that I was trying to make. I think that when we try to force our perspective, people can resist. But when we're able to give our perspective and let go, 
people are more likely to be drawn to it, even if we mess that point up. But look, life isn't about being perfect. It's about learning from the moment. And if you want to learn from any particular moment or you want to talk to me, there is still time. The number is 866-391-1020, or you can email me on the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com, or you can text me at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. You're listening to Emotional Management with Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. A little bit of mood music for you right there. We're bringing it in. The number is 866-391-1020. If you want to be a part of the show, you can also email... Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkaradio.com. You can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. So I want to come back to this idea of anger and aggression and assertiveness. All too often, we wait when we're angry. So let, let let me set this for you. Anger is natural. It's an emotion. It's a human emotion. It's not wrong or bad in and of itself. When you experience anger, it's not about saying, I need to just get rid of my anger. It's understanding what to do with it, what to learn from it. I think we can think of anger as an old wise teacher. We can think, what what would, if we could put, if we could really make anger a, a person or personify anger, what would anger look like? What would anger be teaching you? What would anger be trying to tell you? So... In this question, I'm going to come. I'm going to come to a specific question from Brianna. She said, "I says I can't let go. I get so angry, I lose control and can't think straight. I'm ready to flip out. I'm I'm ready to flip out in a minute. I just can't let stuff go. Please help." So I think, look, Brianna, it's common for people not to, you know, when you're angry, to feel like I can't let it go. I can't let it go. I'm going to come back to that whole concept of non-attachment. I think one of the biggest challenges people face with anger is needing things to go the way they believe they should go. So we have what I call the cartoon world. The cartoon world is the world of shoulds. People should like me. People should say what I want them to say. People should speak how I want them to speak. And we fill our minds with these shoulds. And we get so wrapped up in our shoulds that we get angry when the world doesn't live up to that. But there's the cartoon world and then there's the real world, how the world actually is. The more you align your expectations with the cartoon world, the more you're let down. But, and this is important to understand, the world isn't letting you down. It's your expectations that are. So, Brianna, you ask, I can't let go. How do I let this stuff go? Well, one way to let stuff go is to refocus from the cartoon world of she shouldn't have said that he shouldn't have said that to they did say that he said that she said that he did do that she did do that and understand that it might not be what you wanted them to say or do but you can handle it you can handle it so one of the things that really sets us off and gets us really angry really fast 
is that belief that we can't stand it when. I just used air quotes. I need to stop doing visuals on the radio, but I used air quotes. I can't stand it. Think about that phrase, I can't stand it. That's not an actual true statement. If you are standing physically, then you can stand something. Your mindset drives how you feel. So if you're saying to yourself, I can't stand it, when you actually can stand it, you're making yourself unnecessarily angry. And not letting stuff go comes down to saying, I need these things to be the way I think they should be. And you might have wonderful cartoon world thoughts. Listen, having a cartoon world thought doesn't mean it's not an honorable thought. Doesn't mean it's not a, a, a healthy concept. But the the real world thought is how life actually is. For instance, you might have a cartoon world thought that there should be no such thing as disease. That's a beautiful thought. I love that thought. It's not reality, but it's a beautiful thought. It's an honorable thought, but there is disease. You might have the cartoon world thought that people should be kind. And guess what? I I like that cartoon world thought. I would probably share that cartoon world thought, except I know the reality is that sometimes people are struggling. Sometimes people are lost in darkness and sometimes people aren't always kind. And that's reality. And the more we can learn to align our expectations with reality, the more peace we feel. There was a criminal and he went to uh, this uh, monk and he said, I need you to teach me the difference between heaven and hell. And the monk said, teach you. You're a savage criminal. I'm not teaching you anything. I'm not teaching you anything. You don't deserve it. And the criminal grabbed the old monk. He, he pulled out his sword. He was, he was so angry that this monk would dare insult him like that. He pulled out his sword. He was about to kill him. And the monk said, that is hell. And in that moment, that, that savage criminal, he said, oh my goodness, this man put his life on the line just to teach me. The difference between heaven and hell, I can't believe he did that. That's amazing. And he sheathed his sword. He reached down. He he helped the man up and he had a look of compassion on his face. And the old man looked at him and said, that is heaven. The difference between heaven and hell lies in our perspectives and our attitudes and the approach that we take to the world. The question is, what are you telling yourself about the world, about your regrets, about about your anger, about the, the shoulds, about the way you think the world should be versus the way the world actually is. It's so important to be mindful of what's driving you. The more mindful you are of your thoughts, the better chance you have to take control of them. And this whole concept of non-attachment, it doesn't mean that I don't have beliefs. It doesn't mean that I don't feel strongly about something, but I'm all, I'm open to being wrong. I'm open to learning something new in the next moment. I'm fascinated with this concept of certainty. So I love this uh, researcher, neuroscientist, Robert Burton. He spent a career uh, researching the brain. I should get him on this show. Just 30 years, he wrote some wonderful books. One of his books that I really like is called On Being Certain. And he describes, as a neuroscientist, he describes that when people feel that they are certain, it actually... It, it sparks a part of our brain that is our emotion, not our thinking, not our higher level thinking. So when you think you're being certain because you think that you're right about something, that's actually a feeling. You feel certain. You don't actually think you're certain. 
And there's a whole difference about that. And that's really important to understand. The more you understand that, the more you can realize that even when you do feel certain, there's a chance that you could be wrong. And that humility allows us to set our ego aside. I mean, we live in a universe that is enormous, enormous. We, we have how many planets? Eight, nine. We have six dwarf planets, hundreds of uh, uh, smaller planets on the cupular belt. On the outer rim of the solar system, we live in a galaxy with hundreds of billions of stars, and we live in a universe with two trillion galaxies, an estimated two trillion galaxies. That's a lot of planets, a lot of life, a lot of stars, a lot of our things that are out of our control of understanding. And so for us to bring the world down to the size that we think that whatever we think, whatever we believe is fact it's, it's arrogant. It's arrogant. And to combat that arrogance, combat that ego is humility to say, you know what, maybe there's more out there. Maybe there's more that I just don't understand. And I think when we lead with that kind of humility, we find peace much quicker. And isn't that what we're all seeking peace? Instead of trying to control the outside world, let's all seek to control ourselves. That's what this emotional management is all about. That's what this show is all about. This is why I do what I do because we are all in this together. I'm here every Monday night. And until next time, as always, I wish you much peace. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t